When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today's episode of Read or Dead is sponsored by Book Riot Deals, our daily roundup of the best books on sale. Every morning, our editors scour the internet to find the very best books on sale from as many genres as possible. We find bestsellers, prize winners, great book club reads, and under-the-radar staff favorites we'd love more people to know about. There's YA, middle grade, adult, fiction, nonfiction, and much more. Go to bookride.com slash deals to check out our finds of the day. And to sign up for our newsletter, go to bookride.com slash deals. We will send the day's picks straight to your inbox. Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 99 and we are recording on Tuesday, April 6th. I'm Katie McLean Horner along with Nezra Javed and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Hi Nezra, how are you? I am good. Episode 99, we're getting there. <laughs> I know, one more until we hit triple digits. <laughs> Very exciting. <laughs> yes. And I know and I I know we've we've mentioned that we're coming up on it and I've mentioned it's such a, it's such an interesting position to be in now because you know we're coming up on triple digits. This podcast has been going for almost 4 years now, which I can hardly believe. But you're, you know, just starting on your book riot journey with us. So it's like this this really interesting combination of Wow, we're we're celebrating that it's been around for a while, but wow, we've got someone new and so Exactly. So yeah, it's it's really exciting. And just to get you guys excited for episode 100, we won't talk about exactly what we're planning for the next episode, but it will be a blend of, you know, cel- celebrating the 100 episodes, but also doing like a fun kind of get to know each other going back to the beginning kind of thing. It'll it'll be an interesting mashup and I'm really excited for it. Yeah, I'm super excited for it as well. And I definitely did want to throw in a teaser in this episode somewhere just so our (laughs) listeners could look out for it. Just like we're going to do a sort of like get to know us and like what made us what we are today, what books made us what we are today. But that's all we're going to say about (laughs) it. (laughs) But yeah, how has your week been, Katie? Well, I can't keep track of the day. So like when I was reading off the intro and I'm reading the show notes, I'm going like, is it April 6th? Is it really? And I'm like, no, 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 that's right. That's right. Um, so it's been uneventful. But yeah, the, the date, I just can't keep track of, of time anymore. So I'm just I'm just like, oh, that's interesting. That's nice. We're in April. That's too true. Like everyone spent the whole last year saying this, like what event is time? And I feel like that feeling is even more real now. Where it's like, 
what's going on? Like, <laughs> like how is it April already? But yeah, glad like it's warming up. <laughs> yes, we have finally gotten some warm weather over the last few days in the Chicago area. And I just like I've I've been able to at least get outside for a short walk, which is <laughs> about as much as I is as much as I can do or need right now. But when I first step outside, I'm like, oh my gosh, it is so nice. It's like low to mid 70s. It's sunny. And I just I'm like, I just want to lay out on the pavement like a lizard and just soak in the sun. (laughs) But my husband was like, no, you can't do that. The neighbors are going to look at you weird. (laughs) Husbands are always like party killers. (laughs) I mean, he has a point. Well, when it comes to me, he's he's the voice of reason. But I definitely have to talk him off the ledge of his own stuff too. He just <laughs> yeah. He just came to came to me today and told me about how he's like, "Katie, I just was looking at this at this list of what was it? It was careers for people who are introverts, careers for people who want to get satisfaction out of their work, and it suggested I should be a private investigator." And I just oh went, "Oh no. No, no." He's like, "I'm on the case. I don't know what case I'm on, but I'm on the case." And I'm like, "No." Like, I guess not putting notions. Yeah, we need him as a guest on our show. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> He's joked that he should come on the podcast sometime. It's like, hi, I'm Blaine and I have thoughts. I'm like, no. <laughs> I love that. I 100% endorse you, Blaine. <laughs> Gotta keep those notions out of his head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a mix, I think. It's a mixed bag, like we keeping each, each other in check. Yeah, I th- I think honestly that's what people don't talk about marriage being enough of. It, it's like, yeah, yeah you, you're kind of each other's <laughs> checks and balances for 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 making sure yes. you don't the other one doesn't do something really stupid. Yes, hundred <laughs> percent. All right. Uh, with that, do you want to kick us off with like our f- first sponsor, and then we can jump right into our show? Absolutely. So our first sponsor is Emporia State University School of Library and Information Management, which is kind of exciting for me because that's what I have my graduate degree in. So the Masters of Library Science program at Emporia State University is an ALA accredited program that has been accredited since 1932. It gives you the flexibility of online classes while also giving you a community of peers to build your professional network. Through a combination of instruction, students are able to form deep connections to the coursework, professors, other students, and to practicing professionals in libraries. ESU offers a quick and affordable way to earn your MLS with most students completing their degree in two years, even while working a full-time job. Scholarships are available, and the option to match funds for diversity scholarship winners is also present. To learn more, you can visit their website at www.emporia.edu slim And we thank them very much for sponsoring this episode. And I was really excited to see them as a sponsor. I did not get my graduate degree in library science through Emporia State University. I got mine through the University of Illinois, but I did do an actually a completely online program while working a full-time job in order to get my graduate degree. So um, I was not able to finish the degree in two years. I had to do it in four years because that was what my schedule would allow. So two years, I'm like, oh God, that must have been nice. But (laughs) I really enjoyed that experience, um, or at least as much as you can 
enjoy extra schooling, but it was a really great fit for for me. It was a really great way to add flexibility to my schedule. Um, I did classes in the evenings, but I was sitting in my living room with my laptop. And because it was online, you know, I was listening to the instructor. And, you know, sometimes I'd just be like crocheting during class and listening. And it was it was a really good experience. So anyway, that's my take on the whole graduate library science online program stuff. But anyway, yes, thank you very much to Emporia State for sponsoring our episode. And with that, I guess we'll jump into the mystery stuff. You know, the, the stuff the stuff you tuned in to listen to, not hearing about my graduate school experiences. <laughs> but so if this is your first time listening to the show, welcome. We are delighted to have you. If you're a longtime listener, welcome back. We are delighted that you keep coming back to listen to us. So like I said at the beginning, we talk about mysteries and suspense and thrillers and true crime and just about anything that falls under that umbrella, whether it's movie adaptations or popular author read-alikes or subgenres that maybe we haven't explored a lot or whatever the case may be. If it's mystery and suspense related, it's fair game for us to talk about on the show. And this is the part in the show where we always put out a call to our listeners to send us ideas for things that you think would be interesting for us to talk about on the next episode. We have done so many listener suggested topics on the show over the last four years. It's a really great way for us to plan out so many of these episodes. It's a great way to know what you, the listeners, would like to hear more of. It's a great way for us to expand our own reading horizons. It's just a win-win all around. So if you have any ideas or recommendations, you can shoot us an email, reach out via social media. We will have all of our contact information at the end of the show and in the show notes. We just like to get those juices flowing at the beginning. And even if you don't have an idea and you just want to say hi, we love hearing from listeners for that as well. It always makes us smile. And if you enjoyed this podcast, definitely leave us a review over at Apple Podcasts so that other people can find us and discover this fabulous little mysterious community that we have created. Yeah, we've been hearing from some of you over the past few weeks, and it's been absolutely delightful. And we want to thank everyone who like writes in, who reaches out to us via social media. It really does make our day. It really does. And I, I say this so many times, but it always just delights me that there are people who reach out and tell us that they really like the show. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you do? You like it? <laughs> but yeah, it it just, it makes us so happy. So yes, thank you to everyone who sends us suggestions or just reaches out to say hi. It's, oh, it's just, it just gives me the warm fuzzies all over. I agree. And with that, let's jump into our show. So this episode, since we're like nearing our 100th episode, we thought it would be fun to take the spotlight away from regular news segments that we do where we have adaptation news, where we have like a topic and we talk around that uh, the picks for that topic and just go into discover our thoughts and our picks for the Edgar Awards, just because they're such a fun, not just a fun, but just such, such an like, eclectic, like diverse mix of like genre, horror, mystery, thriller, all in one, and just recognizing new voices, recognizing diverse voices. And that's what we're all about on the show as well. So that's why we wanted to shift the focus a little bit to that 
especially since it's a uh, literary award season. I love me a good literary award. I follow all the awards. I enjoy seeing which books get shortlisted, which books end up winning, just because I feel like there's so much you learn about reading critically from these awards. Like, okay, what is a certain award looking at? How maybe you should approach particular works? And it's just good fun. You know, just it, I feel like sometimes adding a bit of competition and stress to your reading like makes it go a long way. <laughs> and the Edgar Awards in particular, uh, like you can tell, they were named after Edgar Allan Poe, uh, who was a pioneer in, in the mystery horror. Like he is known primarily for his horror writings, but his works were very much like those creepy mystery, like suspense feeling that like that creeps up on you. And so these awards, like they honor the best in mystery fiction, nonfiction, television, film, and theater published or produced in the previous year. So this year, it is the 75th Edgar Awards and the nominees have already been announced and the final, like uh, the winners will be celebrated on April 29th. So we thought it would be a fun way to like hone in the awards and just talk about some reads maybe you should prioritize and just in time for the awards to be announced. Yeah. Well, actually, oh, first, I have a little factoid that, that jumped into my head when you were talking about Edgar Allan Poe's connection, um, why he's the, the figurehead for the awards. He is actually credited with writing the first detective story in the English language. And that was Murders in the Room Morgue. And that was, I don't remember if it was Inspector the Dupont. And... So that is generally considered like the first detective story. <laughs> I, if you haven't read it, I have. I have read it. It's a short read. It, it, it's a very unusual solution to the who done it yeah. question. I will. I will just <laughs> put that out there. So let's just say mysteries have changed a lot yeah. <laughs> since Murders in the Room Morgue. But yeah, so I yeah I love. I really like the Edgar Awards just because, like you said, the especially over the last few years i feel like there's been there's been a real range of books that have been shortlisted for the awards and i I'm, I'm a big fan of award shortlists like some people they're like oh i just want to read the award winners no i go for the shortlist because they give you books that are apparently of equal quality you know they were they were all nominated for the awards so you get like six times the book recommendations <laughs> it's great so, yeah, so what we did for this episode was we basically each compiled a list of like five or six books that had been nominated for a different category in the Edgar Awards that we hadn't read yet. And we said, okay, we're going to see how many of these we can get through by next episode. So real structured here. Like I said, adding stress. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it did. I mean, for me, it, it helped. I was able to finish one book got about halfway through another one. And then I read an entire book in the entirety of this afternoon. So <laughs> I did I did do a fair amount of reading. But I actually I want you to kick off the discussion because I know the the book that you picked from the from the best novel category is one that I've, I've had on my radar for a long time. So I'm interested to hear you talk about it. Yeah, so the way we're going to, I think we're, we decided on doing this is uh, we're going to mention the category and uh, we're going to mention like maybe uh, whatever books we recommend or whatever uh, reads we picked and we want you to read. And also we'll leave a list in the show notes in case you want to like do some of your own research because the categories are very vast and there's a great mix in there and it won't be possible for us to get through all of them. 
And uh, with that, let's kick it off. So the first category is best novel. And the instant I saw this, I knew what I wanted to read in this. And my pick was Gin Patrol on the Purple Line by Deepa Anapara. And the reason I uh, picked this book was because it's been, it's been in my on my radar for a while, but just the... It, what it does is it takes you to the slums or what it's known in Hindi as bastis of India. And these are where people who are, who like do a lot of manual labor, they live. And it's just, it's a very community oriented living arrangement where everyone's living in tight quarters. Everyone has small spaces. Everyone knows everyone and everyone's concerns are shared. It's There's a very strong community feel to it, but they're also like these busties or these slums are also often ignored uh, or not given enough attention or infrastructure budget or in general from the government. So that's the main setting of uh, this book. And one of the reasons that it intrigued me so much is because our protagonists are actually children in this book. And just a little bit about like what the book revolves around is we have a Jay who is a nine year old boy who is like who watches police TV shows and procedurals all day long and uh, he convinces himself that he you know that he is smarter than his friends and that he can he's up to the task of like solving mysteries in general and then what happens is children in the basti or the slum they start disappearing and the danger starts like, you know, looming close when one of Jay's friends uh, disappears. And so Jay, uh, his friends, Burry and Fias, they take it on themselves to solve the mystery and find out what's happening to the children. They have, they suspect jinns or like these supernatural beings of uh, being the ones who are actually taking the children. But the truth might be more based in reality and a lot more sinister. And the story is, it is very dark, actually. But there's also like these moments of, you know, youthful exuberance is how I would put it. Like, you just, you're rooting for these characters and you want them to find. And you just like, there are these bursts of joy when you just follow them. And it just, their energy is so contagious is how I would put it. And um, Deepa Anapara is, uh, she actually is a journalist who has experience uh, working with stories about children as uh, children's disappearance in India and uh, she also brings that back knowledge she incorporates it real well into the story so it, it was such a fantastic like it was a fantastic read it was an eye-opening read it was at times very scary because disappearing children is actually a very very huge reality in India especially in the slums and seeing a story unravel from their perspective especially from the children's perspective was a fantastic way to experience the story so that's Gin Patrol on the Purple Line Oh, it sounds so good. I've got to bump it back up on my reading list. I've had it on my list for so long, and it just kind of keeps fluctuating there, but it, it just sounds fantastic. So for for this category, um, one of the books that has been that was nominated for the Edgar Awards, I've already talked about on the show maybe a couple of months ago. Um, that was These Women by Ivy Pachoda. And without doing a deep dive into that book since I've talked about it fairly recently. I really liked this book. It's definitely, if you're looking for a more literary type of crime novel, this is very literary, but it is very much a novel of a particular place, which is um, Los Angeles. And it's very much placed within the sex worker industry in Los Angeles. So there's a grittiness to it, but there's also a 
resilience. And the story unfolds through five linked narratives that tell the perspective of five different women who are affected in one way or another by each other, by the unexplained deaths of sex workers in the Los Angeles area. It's just, it's so atmospheric. It's very feminist. And it really looks at, you know, who these who these women are, which stories we tell, which women we pay attention to, which ones we don't, why is that? It's it's oh my gosh, there's so much going on in this book and it's it's so good. Um so that one definitely read. But the new one that I read, um, which again I had mentioned on a previous episode, but I finally finished it in time for for this one was The Missing American by Quay Quarty, which is about as different from these women as you as you can get. <laughs> it's the first book in a series, the I think it's technically the Emma John investigation series, but it follows Emma John, who is she lives in Ghana and she works for the Ghana police. And after a very traumatizing event that happens in her workplace, trigger warning for for sexual assault. I mean, it happens very early on in the book, but it is a little, it's a little alarming if you're not expecting it, which I was not. After that happens, she leaves the police and is looking for a new job. And she ends up at a private investigation firm. And her, she's working closely with with her boss, who I have to say, I love her boss in this book. He's a very minor character in the book, but he treats her with respect. And I just loved that, that after, after what she went through in her previous job, to be working for a boss who's like a mentor and also and supportive and takes her seriously. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so happy for her. She found a supportive workplace. Um, anyway, it's not the point of the story. <laughs> but in the book, one of the first big cases that she gets pulled into is an American man who's in his 60s who has come to Ghana thinking that he is going to meet this woman that he has connected with online and sent money to. But when he arrives in Ghana, he finds out it was all a scam. He's out the several thousand dollars that he sent to her, but now he's gone missing. And so his son has come to the the investigation firm and asking them to look into the disappearance of, of his father, find out what's happening because the police are doing nothing. So the the story is trying to figure out what happened to this man. There are a lot of things going on in this book. You're looking at the world of online scammers, which there are a lot of them that operate out of Ghana and Nigeria and whatnot. Um, But you're looking at kind of that small subculture and what what drives them, what what their methods are, but you're also looking at how the money that they bring in is influential and corrupting other people around them, other organizations, other forces. How high does that corruption go? There's a lot of there's a lot of layers to this. And this book, it it was really interesting for me because I will say, but the the by the end of the book, it. it I had guessed the ending, or at least I wasn't surprised by the ending. So it's not the type of book that, that you're going to read, like, you know, really in suspense of like, oh my gosh, like there aren't, there aren't any really big twists to it. The story kind of, kind of unravels as you, as you might expect it to. 
But the way it looks at life in Ghana and like all of the different forces at work, the political forces, the societal forces, how they interact with each other in positive and negative ways, the different aspects of the culture, like it just it comes so so alive in this book that the mystery, even though it is the main part of the story, it's almost secondhand in terms of why you read it. It was it was really interesting. Um, And the second book just came out last year, I think. And yeah, I really liked this one. It was definitely it was different than a lot of the other books that I've read. And when you look at the other books nominated for this category, it's just an example of just how how broad the scope of best novel is in the world of mystery and suspense fiction. But again, so this one, it was called The Missing American by Quay Quarty. All right, before we move to our next category, uh, let's hear from our second sponsor. This episode is sponsored in part by Quirkbooks. We have Richard, who is an elementary school teacher, and he is a man without a pass. But when he becomes the focus in sudden murders at his school, he knows some lies are coming back to haunt him. The murders have a ritualistic quality to them that are eerily similar to stories he told in another lifetime 30 years before when he was someone else. Someone out there knows about his past and a reckoning is in store. Inspired by the McMartin preschool trials and the satanic panic of the 80s, Whisper Down the Lane by Clay McLeod delivers a harrowing portrait of the horrors of mass hysteria. Thank you to Quirkbooks and Whisper Down the Lane by Clay McLeod for sponsoring the show. Oh, I am so excited for this book. It's It sounds so dark and creepy. <laughs> Also, Quirk Books. Can we just talk a minute about Quirk Books? I love all their books so much. Oh my goodness. I like if a title intrigues me and the instant I see it's by Quirk Books, I just quickly like add to cart instantly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they're a great indie publisher if you're looking for, well, quirky books. (laughs) Um, They're really good with like the mystery, the horror. I think they also. I could be totally wrong, but didn't they also publish the Obama Biden buddy mystery series that was out a few years ago? I feel like that was a Quirk Books publication. Yes, and they also recently published this uh, book by Andrew, like the same author, Andrew Schaefer. Uh, it was called uh, Santa Box or something, uh, Secret Santa, which was like a horror mystery. It was deli- like all their books are delightful. <laughs> yes. Also, if you're a fan of the author Grady Hendrix, they publish his books too. Yeah, which I am a very huge fan of. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's move to the next category. Uh, So the next category is best uh, first novel. And I am actually going to, I have an honorary mention and then I'm going to hand it, uh, pass it back on to Katie. So my honorary mention for this one is Murder in Old Bombay by Nave March. And this is a book that I have not read, but I have heard so much about. And this is set in colonial Bombay. And it's all about like, we have a Captain Agnihotri who's recovering from his battle. Like he was at war and he gets injured and he is in a hospital in Bombay and he's recovering from his injuries. And during his time uh, over there, he is finding company in the work of Sherlock Holmes. And he is like just fascinated by Sherlock Holmes, like, uh, his methods of deduction and he is like his hands are itching to like put them into practice and when he comes across a case in a newspaper which seems a bit suspicious he reaches out to the family and like 
initiates this investigation on his own and puts what he has learned through the works of Sherlock Holmes to test. And our story goes from there. And it, I've, what I've heard is it has like a rich sense of place, a rich like dialogue. There's a romance somewhere in there. And this is very high on my DPR. And I think it should be on yours as well. So it's Murder in Old Bombay by Nave March. All right, so this is actually the category where I have I've read the most books already for this category. So just first off, real quickly, Winter Counts by David Heska Wombly Wyden is nominated for this category. You have heard us talk about this book so many times over the last year or so. I think it absolutely deserves to be in this category. Another one that I read um, about a year ago that I really liked was Darling Rose Gold by Stephanie Robel, which is very dark psychological suspense a la sharp objects type of thing. If you are familiar with the very true story of Gypsy Rose Blanchard and the murder of her mother, Dee Dee Blanchard, let's just say this book borrows a lot from that very real situation. If you're familiar with it, you know exactly where this is going. But yeah, that's one that you can plow through and it is dark, 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 dark. And... For me, even like I thought I knew where it was going and there were still a couple of twists that went, oh my, oh dear. <laughs> uh, but I really, I really like that one. So the book that I, I've gotten about halfway through it, so I've not finished it yet, but the book that I picked for this episode was Catherine House by Elizabeth Thomas, which I have been hearing so much about. If you are looking for a, like a dark academia, gothic style novel, this one should be totally up your alley. So it's, it follows um, Inez, who is a freshman at Catherine House, which is a school of higher learning. It's not, it's beyond high school, but it's not quite college. It's very secretive. Only a few select people get in. You don't know much about the school. There's been controversy surrounding the school in previous years. It's, you know, it's a very dark boarding school meets kind of dystopian big brother type of thing. Like you're always being watched. Everything's being monitored, that kind of thing. But it's this, what I really appreciated about this book when I started reading it, it's the writing style is very surreal, like almost kind of dreamlike. Like you can't, you feel like you can't quite get a footing on what's happening, where you are in time or space within the story. It's, it's very, it's very unusual. Also with within the story, there's a element of, it's not, it's not full blown science fiction, but there's an element of experimentation, like Things that, that they're researching at Catherine House that's almost alchemy or it's not alchemy, but it's 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 like some kind some kind of research project that has generated a lot of controversy over the years. There's been talk of experimentation on students, and it's you just are like, what is going on here? And it's a small book too. It's just over 300 pages. But yeah, it is not a long book, but there's just so much packed in here. But it, it's got such a such a dreamy, surreal quality to it that I just I I am loving it. And I'm hopefully going to finish that in the next couple of days. But again, that is called Catherine House by Elizabeth Thomas. 
Yeah, I think that book is like dark academia. And while you were saying, you know, if you're looking for a dark academia, I was like, who isn't? You know, like every like that is <laughs> that is such a, like it sounds like secret history meets never let me go back Kazuo Ishiguro to me. Like because like whoever's listening, if they read those books, they'll know what I mean. But uh, this is a book that has been on my reading list for so so long, and I'm I'm happy to hear you endorse it, so I can finally you know bump it up. Yeah, it's 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 really cool. Yeah, and. With that, our next category is Best Paperback Original. And I'm really excited for my pick for this one. Uh, just because it was so delightful. And also, the protagonist actually ha- shares my last name. You'll see. You'll see what I mean. So <laughs> it's called East of Honslow. And uh, it's by Khurum Rahman. And we have Javed. Call him Jay. He is a dope dealer living in West London. He goes to mosque on Friday. and He's just living life by his own terms. He goes to mosques when he wants to. And uh, he has like accumulated all this uh, money from dealing dope and has bought himself a BMW, which is his prized possession. And he is like, that's what he's showing off for his life that, hey, you know, I own, I own a BMW. So his priorities are very like dictated by himself. But then on a day when he's dealing drugs, the MI5 reach out to him and so at, at first, Jay uh, thinks he's in trouble because obviously, like, he's he's dealing. Uh, but actually, what MFI want to do is they want to recruit him to go undercover for them and, and like, perform a mission. And as soon as uh, he is reluctant at first, but obviously, he's in a very delicate situation as if he declines, he, there's not, he can't really, you know, get away with what he's been doing so far. So he is, he agrees and then he, like, he's thrown into this world of like undercover, like there's secrets, there are these groups, like, and just shifting loyalties, right? Like, so he's, he's sent on behalf of MI5, but there's like so much going on under the surface. And it's, and it's also at the, at the top of everything. It's like a coming of age story. Like you really read the character coming to their own, like his voice, it's like, grabs you immediately he's like cynical but at the same time he's not cynical to the point where you're like okay we get it you know (laughs) we understand you have like you you know you have a snidey side but it's it's very well balanced and it's like the character development is very well balanced with the plot which is something i love love in my books so yeah it's and it's just like there's a lot of twists and turns but nothing too like nothing too dramatic in the sense that you know you won't want to chuck the book at the end of the wall that, you know, how did this happen? Everything is very well developed. So it was a fantastic read. So again, it's East of Hanslow by Khurum Rahman. All right. And then real quickly, because this is another book I've talked about a lot previously, my pick for paperback original is When No One Is Watching by Alyssa Cole. And Oh my gosh, I loved this book so much in a year that was just plagued by not being able to read or not being able to get into books because I was so preoccupied with everything else. When No One Is Watching was probably my favorite book of last year. It was like, it ta- it's a slow burn suspense novel and it does take a little bit to get going. But once you get to like that halfway point, you'll be so hard pressed to put the book down. It seems reductive to keep referring to it as a get out style thriller because I feel like that's kind of become the new catch all term to describe black thriller horror crossover fiction. But 
it's really true. <laughs> I because it takes, you know, it it takes issues of racism and um in this case gentrification and it takes these very real elements and crafts it into a really smart thriller. One that feels outlandish, like the premise seems outlandish. But then when you stop and think about it, it's not outlandish at all. And that's what's really scary about this book. It will 100% make you feel super paranoid. It will 100% make you side-eye all of your neighbors. And I just loved this book. I just thought it had everything going for it. And considering... Alyssa Cole typically writes romance novels. I mean, the fact she was she wrote a, an amazing thriller. Like it's so good, so so good. So if you haven't read it yet, when no one is watching by Alyssa Cole, pick it up right now. <laughs> right now, Katie has spoken. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. With that, uh, we move to our next category. It's best fact crime. So. I'll be honest, I I am not a big nonfiction person. So, <laughs> and I have a lot of trouble like getting into like non, uh, reading it fast, as fast as I would like. But I would like to throw in a mention for Veritas uh, by Ariel Sabar. It's a Harvard professor, a con man, and the gospel of Jesus' wife. And I have heard excellent, excellent things from people in my life who have read it and uh, I just wanted to throw it out there in case someone was interested in reading it that uh, it has received some endorsements and if any of you have uh, read it do let us know what you thought and but yeah that's uh, I, I'm gonna hand it over to Katie for this one <laughs> <laughs> well I I really do enjoy true crime and factual crime that type of thing but this was a rare case where I'm like, I haven't read any of the books listed here. I have several of them on my reading list. And I started listening to The Third Rainbow Girl, The Long Life of a Double Murder in Appalachia by Emma Copley Eisenberg. I started listening to that on audio. Unfortunately, the audio version was not quite doing it for me. It was It's a case where the author herself is narrating the audiobook. And sometimes that can work really well. Other times it doesn't work so much. For me, it didn't work. But I am still very interested in reading the book. I just will have to find a print copy of it. And I wasn't able to do that in time for this episode. But what I've been really interested about with this book is that it blends true crime and social sciences and like a sociological perspective of how these these murders that occurred, I want to say in the 80s in West Virginia and the subsequent investigation, the trials, the, you know, the accusations that were pointed at people that these, that the people of this county thought that they had known for a long time. Like it really did a lot of damage to this community. And so the book looks at not only the crimes and, you know, what happened, but what the aftermath was. And a, a book that's coming to mind that really does a good job of blending crime and the sociological perspective is American Fire by Monica Hesse, which is one that I read a few years ago. But it's I love true crime books that can do that, that can that can take the two perspectives and blend them. So the so, yeah, so my pick for this category was The Third Rainbow Girl, The Long Life of a Double Murder in Appalachia by Emma Copley Eisenberg. All right, our next category is best critical uh, slash biographical. And 
my pick for this one is one that I'm actually that I've started as an audiobook, and it is Phantom Lady, Hollywood producer Joanne Harrison, the forgotten woman behind Hitchcock. And it tells a story like it's it goes all the way back to 1933, and it tells the story of a 26-year-old Joanne Harrison who became Alfred Hitchcock's confidant and like was one of the Oscar-nominated screenwriters for the uh, for his American film for his first American film Rebecca and like she was one of the main people who elevated his brand of like you know master of suspense like she was one of the main writers one of the main let's say like cheerleaders who made it possible for him and she forged her own public persona at that time as a female Hitchcock she like went to produce numerous Hollywood features and she became a television pioneer as the producer of Alfred Hitchcock Presents. So uh, like during her time, she was a respected powerhouse. But then what this book hopes to draw focus on is like all her accomplishments and then how over time her accomplishments have sort of faded into the background. And it's become all about Alfred Hitchcock himself, which is true of so many female accomplishments throughout history as we have especially seen now with the surge of so many uh, fantastic biographies coming to light about like women who have been solving like equations long before like and have not been given credit or have not been given their share of the spotlight and this is one of those such instances and I am a I really enjoy Hitchcock's movies and it was uh, it's a fascinating read for me itself to see how almost the spotlight gets stolen from Joanne and like how much she pioneered for his work and drove it. So again, that's Phantom Lady, Hollywood producer Joanne Harris, The Forgotten Woman Behind Hitchcock by Christina Lane. All right. Um, For the sake of time, we're going to skip ahead a little bit. Um, Nezra, I know uh, you got a chance to read a pick from the best juvenile category. I did not get to read my pick, but the book is called that I wanted <laughs> to read was called Nessie Quest by Melissa Savage. And I, oh my God, when I was a kid, I loved anything having to do with the Loch Ness Monster. And this book is about a group of kids that go searching for the Loch Ness Monster. And I'm really excited to read it eventually. But why don't why don't you go ahead with the with the book that you that you did read? <laughs> yeah, so my book is uh, from the desk of uh, Zoe Washington by Janae Marks, and I did this on audio, and the audio book was narrated by Bonnie Turpin, who I have mentioned multiple times on the show, and she's one of my favorite, absolute favorite narrators, and I would highly recommend the audiobook. And this book is a little bit about how. Uh, we have Zoe Washington and how her life changes on her 12th birthday. She has her dad, Paul, but she's never met her uh, real father, Marcus. He's been in prison her entire life. And then one day she gets a letter for him. And Marcus is in prison for a crime he never committed. And so Zoe like takes it on herself to clear his name. And on top of that, she is also working on her baking skills. You know, because murder and food, like, you know, it always... Crime and food, they go together. So it's just this fun, adventurous like tale of a girl who like takes it on herself to solve the crime. But also like as a as a parent, I was like, oh my goodness, I hope uh, like I'm if I uh, like, you know, I have to keep this book away from my daughter so she never does any of these things. <laughs> but it was delightful. It, and it was this book reminded me like how 
much fun it is to write you know like to read juvenile books or like uh books in the juvenile genre or like middle grade books just because you know like adults as we as adults i i feel like we get caught up in being adults too much and this like such uh books just remind us of like you know like stepping back and just enjoying life for a bit you know so it was a fantastic story it was a fantastic audiobook narration so it's from the desk of zoe washington by janae mark all right. And then finally, we've got our young adult category. And this is the category where I read the book that I started this afternoon and then finished it right before <laughs> we started recording. So I was excited to talk about this one. Um, my pick was The Companion by Katie Allender. And I can't give away too many details. I can't describe what a good read like for this book would be for adults, because that will probably give away the plot. You may be able to figure it out on your own. I did mistakenly see it before going in, so I already kind of knew what was going on. Let's just say if you enjoy toxic family stories like (laughs) I do, (laughs) this is a really good pick. And obviously a page turner. I read it over the course of of a few hours this afternoon. But the main premise, Margo's the main character. She has recently lost her entire family in a tragic car accident. And she's been staying at basically an orphanage. It's not, it's not quite an orphanage, but she doesn't have anywhere to go. But then she receives word that a family who uh, knew her father has asked her to come live at their remote estate. They're very wealthy. And basically, they tell her that they're looking for a companion for their daughter, Agatha, who has been coping with the very mysterious illness that has left her unable to speak. She doesn't interact with anyone. She just kind of sits there and she's sort of able to take care of herself, but they, you know, they want a companion to keep her company. Yeah, that's about all I'll say about the plot. (laughs) Um, If you like gothic stories, again, this is a really good one. And the other thing too, is that I think it takes place in the in a an unnamed area of the North Shore suburbs of Chicago. Base, they, they mention Northwestern, they mention Chicago. They also name drop a couple of towns that I'm like, that's really close to where I live. So um so that that kind of heightened heightened them. I was like, uh oh, where where is this book taking place now? It's so for me that was an inter- that was an interesting element, um, but yeah, I really did enjoy this one. Um, and so that is the companion by Katie Allender. All right, and my next pick is in the pick in this genre is also about dysfunctional families. I'm almost like thinking there's a theme in this whole situation, but <laughs> but it's the cousins by Karen M. McManus, and uh, this is another book that I did on audio and it was fantastic. It has multiple narrators. Just a little bit about the book. So we have Millie, Aubrey, and Jonah, uh, who are cousins, and but they barely know each other because, uh, and they have never even met their grandmother. So like this family, there's already a lot of tension. No one sees any, like, no one sees each other. But the center of the focus is like their relationship with their grandmother, who's rich, who's reclusive, and she's just inherited inherited the parents before they were born. So when uh, each of the cousins receive a letter inviting them to work at uh, the grandmother's island resort for this summer, they're surprised and also like curious, like, you know, they've never met any of, like they haven't met each other. They haven't met their grandmother. What's going on here? 
but each of their parents is clear about one point that not going is not an option because they are adamant to like get in her good graces and hopefully like get a chunk of the inheritance that she's holding on to. But when all of them arrive on the island, it uh, appears that she, the grandmother, already has plans for them. And the more time that they spend on this island, the more it becomes like the mystery grows and the cousins like realize like, whoops, like what have we got ourselves into? Like all these family secrets come to surface. Um, Things they did not know about their parents come to the surface. It's bonkers is the word I would use <laughs> but um it's also like addictive so uh so yeah so that's my pick it's The Cousins by Karen M. McManus all right so if you have read any of the other books that have been shortlisted in any of the Edgar categories that you think are really good let us know because I mean we just went through a ton of books and we still didn't even scratch the surface of all the stuff that's yeah. been nominated. <laughs> like we could we could cover like three or four episodes with all of these books. So let us know your recommendations if there's anything that you want to make sure that we do not miss. And with that, I think we're gonna let's let's wrap this up real quickly. Um, let's jump to uh, what we've been reading recently, which for me is all of the books that I talked <laughs> about in this episode. So I'm done. What have you been reading? <laughs> So I really want to talk about what I've been reading right now, just because I have you to blame for that, Katie. (laughs) So uh, I'm reading Beneath the Mountain by Luca D'Andrea, which is also published in the US as Just the Mountain. And this was a, a book that Katie talked about in the last episode. And I just checked it out from the library because the plot was intriguing. It's set in this small uh, Italian Dolomites, and it's like a very small, like tight-knit community and just... There's a lot going on. Like there's like, sure, it's like this thriller, but there's also like these ecological aspects. Like nature is like, atta- like you know, the main character is up against nature. And it's like, and I started reading it. Just I read the first chapter and I thought, you know, let's see where it goes. And I was supposed to be reading, like I remember the cousins for this episode. And I just like, I forgot all. I was like, okay, I need to stop. So, because <laughs> otherwise I'm not going to get to any of the books that. So I had to put, table it for a bit. And I'm going to, like, I, I've picked it up back day. But it's just fascinating it's like it's about uh about this documentary maker who like who faces an unfortunate event and how it shapes his future decisions and but it's also like the location 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 mm-hmm. oh my goodness like i i have been googling the the places as i've been reading it and i just like i, I find myself staring at them it's like okay so yeah i can see how this could happen <laughs> <laughs> It's so good. So if you didn't happen to catch the last episode or were like on the fence about this, it's a fantastic read. It's Beneath the Mountain or The Mountain by Luca D'Andrea. Yeah, it's it's so good. And I've I've recommended it so many times, but also excellent on audio if you're an audio fan. And that is our show. Thanks so much to everyone for listening. Thanks so much to our wonderful sound editor, Jen Zeng, for always making us sound great. For show notes, you can head over to bookride.com slash listen. For more book recommendations and bookish goodness, head over to bookride.com and don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookride.com slash listen or just search bookride on your podcast player of choice. 
If you want to send us an email with feedback or show suggestions, you can reach us at redordead at bookriot.com. Otherwise, you can find me on Twitter at Javed Nasra. That's J-A-V-E-D-N-U-S-R-A-H. And you can find me on Twitter at K-T underscore library lady. All right, and we'll talk to you all next time.